Welcome to Stupid Not Stupid, the podcast otherwise known as Rock Bottom in Jason's career. <laughs> Jason, my friend, how are you? I'm doing quite well. Yeah. So I'm afraid to ask, Jason, but do we have anything that we need to go over from last week? You know, as a matter of fact, we do. Matt and Jason are stupid. You suck! So we kind of missed a big one last week. And, okay. I mean... It, it was really boneheaded. I can't believe that this happened and both of us missed it. I've been researching this all week long because I couldn't believe that it was actually true. But after hours and hours of looking into this, it turns out Australia is real. <laughs> <laughs> I had my suspicions. And yet, uh, somehow I suspect that it will go on to be one of our most prolifically downloaded episodes of all time. <laughs> Our fans are definitely not stupid. <laughs> exactly. So, Jason, what are you drinking this week? I, as as we have discussed many times before, uh, I've had a lot of careers. And one of those careers was a bartender. And I dug pretty deep into my repertoire of drinks. And I pulled out a recipe for a rum drink called a zombie. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have all the ingredients that I would normally use. And I've had like four or five different recipes for zombies anyway. <laughs> but this one is not exactly the, the technical recipe for a zombie. So it's sort of bastardized. So I'm calling this drink a zombie bastard. Well, it's great. I, I like it. Uh, you definitely taste the rum and nothing else. That's, so that's pretty I, much what a zombie I, is. I suspect that I will resemble the walking dead after my, my second <laughs> helping. So. Look, Jason, I got to tell you two things. That drink is very appropriate for this week's episode. Uh, and the second thing is, is that I worry about you a lot. <laughs> Jason. So for, for more reasons than I think we could get into in a single episode, but there's one concern I have that outweighs all the others. And can you guess what that is, Jason? I cannot. It's all the useless crap that you know. So some people may call you smart. I'm more inclined towards vat of useless knowledge, <laughs> but there's no denying the sheer volume of content in your brain. And here's where I get worried, Jason. Okay. When the zombies come yes, and they are coming, I'm going to assume that your melon is going to look like the biggest and the juiciest in the whole buffet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're going to be done for, man, based simply on the laws of supply and demand. I mean, that that's going to be, it's going to be ripe for the picking. So this week's topic, let's set the parameters off the bat. We both agree that zombies are real. Oh, yeah. We both agree that the zombies are coming. Yes. But what we don't agree on is how to deal with them. That's correct. So we're going to go through the different aspects of surviving the zombie apocalypse one at a time and then just qualify them as we go, stupid or not stupid. Yeah. And for our listeners out there, this might be the most important episode that you ever hear. And this is not the first time that we've said that. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I think we should acknowledge at the top what kind of zombies we're dealing with. Jason uh, is an air quotes historian. So he would tell you that there is a historical context for zombies tied to the voodoo religion. And I'm sure at some point between managing the strip club and working at NASA, he got his scuba certification from a voodoo priestess in the Florida Keys and learned all about it because Jason has done literally everything. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the George Romero inspired zombies that are reanimated corpses that propagate their hordes through biting, scratching, and otherwise maiming the non-undead. Right. Well, that's certainly what I view when I think about zombies, but there have been an awful lot of different zombie representations out there. So we probably ought to specify what kinds we're talking about. Specify so, away, Jason. So you've got the George Romero zombies, which are the crawl out of the grave, shamble around really slowly. And if they bite you or scratch you, then eventually you're going to die and become a zombie. And they're brain eating zombies. 
you, you've also got uh, zombies from the remake of one of George Romero's movies called Dawn of the Dead. Those zombies were horrifying because they ran really fast. Mm-hmm. But all the other rules basically applied. And in all of the George Romero movies and also the remake, if you shot them in the brain, that was the only way to kill them. You could shoot them in the chest. You could chop their arms off. You could chop their legs off. They're still coming at you. But if you hit them in the brain, they would die. However, in some of the other spinoffs of the, of the original zombie movie trilogy, there were other differences as well. If you look at the Night of the Living Dead sequel that they put out called Return of the Living Dead, which actually spawned three or four other movies, those zombies couldn't be killed at all. It didn't matter what you did. That's way better. Oh, it was uh, uh, Return of the Living Dead. The first one was the very first horror movie I ever saw in a theater. I was 14 years old and it was the best zombie movie to this day, in my opinion, because the end, you can't kill the zombies. And like the US starts throwing nukes, but every time they've already established in the movie, if the if the zombies are burned, they go up into the clouds, they start raining, the rain comes down, and it just brings everything that's dead in the ground back to life. So it's just, <laughs> it just propagates the problem. So it was a fantastic movie because everybody dies in the end. So look, I was gonna, I, I could have saved this for Worst Stupid Edition next week, but I am going to call you out on one thing that I think you got wrong there. And it's that I can't think of a single example in zombie cinema where zombies actually eat brains, or at least in the original cinema. I read a George Romero interview where someone asked him where this attribution came that zombies ate brains. And he said it actually came from fans who asked them to write that when he when they asked him for an autograph, like eat brains, George oh. Romero. And George Romero challenged them and said, where do you see the zombies eating brains? I never had them doing that. That's actually true. In yeah. the original movie and all of his subsequent films, they yeah. are cannibals, mm-hmm. but it's not about brains. And he makes the point, it's just not as catchy to write, eat my flesh and bones. No, that's, that's very true. And uh, so to that point, because I think Return of the Living Dead was sort of my first entree into the zombie movie world, I then went back and watched the old R- Romero stuff. In the Return of the Living Dead stuff, it's absolutely about the brains. Just just admit you were wrong, Jason. I, it, no, I'm, I, I think I just did. <laughs> We have a first here on the podcast. <laughs> so I'll let you kick it off, Jason. What's the first aspect of the zombie apocalypse that we need to apply the stupid, not stupid litmus test to? So when we're talking about the zombie apocalypse, what we're really talking about here is a survival guide. So what do you need to survive the zombie apocalypse? What are you going to take to get your way through the zombies and find a way to safety? Are you talking about weapons? Yeah, I'm talking about weapons or, or any kind of supply, basically. But primarily, we're looking at weapons. Okay, what do you think the best weapon is, Jason, so I can tell you that you're wrong and then tell you what the best weapon is? That's actually a good question. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. <laughs> I bet you have. <laughs> and I think that most people would be inclined to go with, like, pistol or shotgun. And that's just a rookie mistake. That's a terrible idea. That's, just, that's straight up rookie. For anyone who's ever played, like, any of the, the uh, Resident Evil games, like, you're immediately out of ammunition. Right. Well, the great thing about the video games is the only thing that you find anywhere are alcohol bottles that regenerate your health and copious amounts of ammunition hidden in safes. <laughs> right, <laughs> I mean, right. Those are the only things that exist laying on the ground in video game zombie apocalypse. Alcohol, potions, herbs, and ammunition. Right. Unless you're playing at the more difficult level, in which case the ammunition is really <laughs> scarce. And now, admittedly, we do live in the United States where apparently ammunition is not scarce at all. <laughs> but in a zombie apocalypse, it's not like you can just get down to Walmart and pick up nine cases of ammunition because that's going to be difficult. There's a lot of Walmarts, Jason. There are a lot of Walmarts, <laughs> but there are a lot of zombies. 
So I think we both agree that guns are stupid. Guns are out. Guns yeah. are stupid. Yeah. I, it, there are circumstances where they're useful. Like if you need to kill a zombie at a very far distance, a hunting rifle can be useful, but you, immediately they hear you and they're mm-hmm. on you. So we're going for hand-to-hand weapons here. Okay. So far I'm with you. Right. So you got your basics. You got your axe. You got your sword. You got your chainsaw. You got your, your baseball bat. And in my opinion, you don't want to go any, with anything that's too sharp. Mm-hmm. because it can get lodged in a bone. I'm still with you. <laughs> so, so far, all of this is not stupid. Not stupid yet. Right. Yet. So chainsaws are an interesting one. But again, you're back to the the, the consumable problem. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, with guns, it's ammunition. With the chainsaw, it's gasoline. And more than that, as you've seen over and over and over again in, in zombie movies, man, if you've got companions with you, that chainsaw always It's always going to hit someone. And so can, <laughs> we made it about 10 minutes into the podcast and I'm already going to go down the first tangent before I let you reveal what your favorite weapon is or what your weapon of choice is. Uh, and that is the gasoline problem. Yes. So this is something that has always frustrated me and blew my mind about zombie apocalypse scenarios. There seems to be a never ending supply of gasoline for <laughs> cross country treks, for minor excursions into town, for promos of new vehicles that AMC wants to push on The Walking <laughs> Dead. There's just gasoline everywhere. Gasoline expires. Yes, it yeah. does. Yeah. What, what do we have? Like a year, maybe two, in which people have access to actually useful gasoline? Yeah, depends on how you store it or what you're storing it in. But yeah, it's an outset of probably about two years, unless you put an additive into it. You, you can get a- Which everyone just has lying around. Right. Yeah. Right. No, uh, I've worked on cars for 15, 20 years and never knew that there was a thing that would stabilize gas for a longer period of time. I got to tell you guys, I've been to Taco Tuesday with Jason Callahan. And let me tell you, no one stabilizes gas like him. So (laughs) he doesn't know about it. None of you know about it. So your cars are screwed and you can't operate your chainsaw. So chainsaws are out. That's right. Yeah, yeah, because even with the stabilizer, you're talking upwards of five years. And if you're going to make it through this zombie apocalypse... You know, you're, you're going to have to get together a bunch of, of folks and you're going to have to figure out how to keep them under your thumb and you're going to need... <laughs> Jason's already going full overlord. Zombie... <laughs> we're, like, we're like 10 minutes into the zombie apocalypse and, and Jason has made himself potentate of the Northern Virginia well, region. I'm not going to farm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, chainsaws are out. What's, yes. what's your ideal weapon? So I got to say, you know, I've looked at, at claw hammers. I've looked at crowbars. I really think that the aluminum baseball bat might be the way to go. If you get pulled over on your way home from this and a cop opens your trunk, they're definitely going to think you're a serial killer after all the research <laughs> you've been doing for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. The ropes, the ropes and the duct tape are completely unexplainable. <laughs> have you heard of my, have you heard of stupid, not stupid? <laughs> no, take out your phone. It's real officer. All right. Well, look, the, the, the baseball bat is there, but what I'm concerned about with, with the baseball bat is cross-contamination. So are you going to have a face guard on? I mean, we live in the era of COVID-19, Jason. You need to be thinking about this. What are you going to do with the splatter? Well, see, that's the thing. It, it gets back to which kind of zombies we're talking about. Are these, you know, 28 Days Later zombies or World War Z zombies from the movie? Or are these more like the original sort of Romero zombies where it's actually like the saliva and the bite that gets you? It's not so much the, the But if the stuff. saliva can get you, can we assume that Romero zombies can also infect you via, you know, blood contact we never saw any evidence of it in the movies 
Well, I think we've established over multiple episodes that no evidence is evidence of possibility. <laughs> so <laughs> let's go ahead and operate from there as our baseline. Yes, Jason. In the stupid, not stupid universe, clearly you can disprove the non-existence <laughs> yes, of a thing. Exactly. All right. So, all right. Well, I'll tell you why the baseball bat is stupid. The first reason is, is the cross contact, but two, you have to get too close. That's why the best weapon for the zombie apocalypse, and I don't know where I'm going to find one. I'll probably have to build one. I might head down the road to historic Mount Vernon and see if the blacksmith there can help me out. Right. What you need, Jason, is a halberd. <laughs> I have done a lot of research on this. For anyone who is interested, a halberd is part spear, part axe, part mace slash bashing weapon it combines all of my favorite medieval genres into one uh, and you can use it from eight to 12 feet away i actually agree with this but it your your stupidity resounds within <laughs> the bounds of this room they actually make those you can buy them at any gardening store what are they called jason they're basically uh, uh like tree loppers basically a halberd it's a five foot pole with a giant sort of spear shaped axe on the end of it that's made f- for clipping off I mean, technically, that might be correct. I want something off the set of Braveheart. That's what I'm looking for. I mean, (laughs) the other thing about zombie movies that we haven't talked about yet is the cool factor, Jason. There's an endless supply of cosmetics. Everybody's smoking hot. And they have all got cool weapons. And I, I want to conform to that universe. So well, I need a real halberd. You've already lost out on the first two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so stupid or not stupid, halberds are better than baseball bats. So that's a difficult one so uh, the the problem with a halberd is if you get into close combat quarters if there are three or more zombies on you and that's how the slow ones get you (laughs) you can't swing that around you can't move that around and use it as a weapon as effectively as you can an aluminum bat and trust me i know this i've got a little experience (laughs) swinging an aluminum bat in a combat situation (laughs) different weapons from different scenarios so we'll just we'll just agree that uh you know there's a tool for every job and maybe i'll uh, get a halberd with a with a baseball bat strung to my back for desperate situations sure yeah yeah okay Uh, by the way just uh, as a a quick aside uh you were talking about halberds and the the medieval stuff and it brought to mind the the movie army of darkness which is some of them love that movie oh they're great movies so many people haven't seen it it's so good well yeah army of darkness is fantastic evil dead one is good evil dead two is legendary but the character ash breaks all of the rules that we're setting forth here like his go-to weapons are a shotgun and a chainsaw that he ties to his hand boomstick jason All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Because, <laughs> and where did he get it? If you're going to shop, shop smart. Shop as smart. But again, love the movies. Terrible, terrible uh, strategy for zombie apocalypse. Speaking of strategies for the zombie apocalypse, so now we have our weapons in hand. Let's talk about what to do next. And this might be the the biggest decision that you have to make uh, up the onstart of the Dead Rising. And that is hunker down or stay on the move. That's right. No, th- this is the critical question. Like, it, it honestly doesn't really matter what weapons you have. The, the real issue is, are you going to get moving or are you going to lock down? Well, it's really a question between any George Romero movie or the first two seasons of Walking Dead. Right. Are you locking down in a shopping mall or are you going on the Oregon Trail for two years? Right. So, Jason, what do you think? Hunker down or stay on the move? Well, I got to tell you, both of them, bad options. What you really need <laughs> is a helicopter out to like an island or a jet that, you know, you can refuel in the air or maybe, you know, a ship or a submarine. But out of those two options, I'm going to go with get on the move. So you, you talk about the, the ship, the submarine, the helicopter, all that stuff. So we'll set the, the, the gas equation aside. We've already covered that. Right. 
I hear this argument all the time. And I really mean that. I talk about this a lot. <laughs> I hear this argument all the well, time. Of course you do. You work in government. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to get on a boat. I'm just going to go to an island. So there's a couple of problems with that. Do you have any idea how much work it takes to keep a boat afloat over time? Exactly. That's why you need minions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So bes- besides uh, Supreme Chancellor Jason, right. who is going to have a, a, an army of peasants at his disposal across the course <laughs> of the apocalypse, all these people who think that they're just going to run down to the marina and jump on a boat and drop anchor off coast and you know sip Mai Tais and sit through the zombie apocalypse, they're not thinking about who's going to scrape the barnacles off, who's going to paint the hull. Who's going to sail it? Not many nautical experts out there these days, I would expect. No, probably not. Although it's interesting in the current pandemic, look at what all the rich people did. I mean, <laughs> they, they basically went out to their yachts or their private islands. I mean, but they're all paying people to sail their boats for them. That's if true. I'm the guy getting paid to sail the rich guy's yacht, as soon as currency starts being nothing more than fuel for the fire. Yeah. Guess whose yacht that's going to be. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And the other thing that always freaked me out, like I'm not a big fan of like sailing on the ocean. Like my, I've done lots and lots of things, but the the stuff that I don't really care for tends to be around like giant bodies of water. All the zombie movies, it's only the humans that get turned into zombies unless you're looking at Resident Evil. Then it's like all bets are off. Mm -hmm. Man, there's nothing more terrifying in the world to me than a zombie shark. (laughs) What if- What what about a tornado made of zombie sharks? (laughs) (laughs) I think we have a script. (laughs) (laughs) But again, you know, if you're out on the water, even if you don't have zombie sharks, you got to worry about the weather. Like if if you've got a small boat and you don't know what you're doing, it doesn't even take a hurricane to screw you up. Just a, a, you know, a good squall and you're upside down in the water with real sharks. Now imagine they're zombie sharks. So this gets to why also the island is a bad idea. So this this is something we didn't touch on at, at the top when we talk about kinds of zombies. Can only people who've been bitten be infected, or does anyone that dies, no matter how they die, reanimate as a zombie? So that's problematic if you're on an island and say you build your community. Jason's obviously not going anywhere without his minions because he can't do shit for himself. <laughs> so Jason goes with all his minions to a deserted island in the middle of the ocean. All of a sudden, one of them turns, a couple people get bit. Where are you going to go, Jason? Now you're trapped on the island. This is the first reason an island is a terrible oh. idea. No, and it depends on the type of zombies we're talking about. With the Romero zombies, apparently it was not that big of a deal. But with the night, with the Return of the Living Dead zombies, that's absolutely a huge problem. And I'll tell you why it's also another problem. George Romero is the godfather, the father, the grandfather, the deity in the sky of zombie movies. But there's another guy who I actually hate as a person, but I appreciate as a zombie theorist and author. Yeah. And that's Max Brooks. And Max Brooks makes this point and goes into it in some of his work. One of the things that he points out that I think a lot of uh, zombie lore doesn't deal with is zombies can't drown. Right. Why can't they just walk across the ocean's floor until they get to the next landmass, including your island? That's right. No. And Romero dealt with that in Land of the Dead, actually. Oh, I forgot about that. Because the zombies walk over to the island of Manhattan. Which many people call the groundbreaking film, the first uh, black uh, male protagonist zombie. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And in that film, it adds a whole new wrinkle to our entire argument because the zombies started gaining consciousness mm-hmm. and intelligence. Are they still zombies then, Jason? Right. That's an interesting question, right? It, that becomes a serious problem. And then we've seen- it I don't on- like to think why I watch zombie movies. <laughs> but we've seen lots of zombie movies where a woman will be pregnant and she'll have the baby. You know, She becomes a zombie and she'll have the baby and the baby is a zombie as well. well what happens if zombies can procreate? 
I, I've never thought about this. Right, because I it's gar- disgusting. I, but I oh guarantee man. you, somewhere one of our tens of listeners is typing this into Pornhub as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most disturbing thing we talked about. We're talking about the dead coming back from life. From the most disturbing thing yet. Coming back Jason. to life and eating, yeah, eating the living, <laughs> and that's the most disturbing thing I've heard. <laughs> um, to your point earlier about, uh, yeah, the island is a bad idea. You're never going to find the island that's safe. And that was established at the end of the remake of Dawn of the Dead. That's such a great ending, that post-credit oh, roll. so great. It's so good. Because oh, it was like, what was the point of the whole movie, right? Yeah. We go through this this whole thing, and then it just gets reduced to 45 seconds of cut film of them all just dying as soon and as they get off the boat. This, to me, like, since Return of the Living Dead, this has been my favorite ending to any horror movie, is it's only good if everybody dies. And so this, for me, answers the question of hunker down or stand the move. For me, it's it's hunker down. And it's don't seek out a destination. Don't don't try to have somewhere to get to that is your entire purpose for existence. Turn wherever you are into a fortress and hunker down. Oh, man. Once you get on the move, look what happened to them. They had an impregnable fortress, and all they could think about was getting out. The grass is always greener on the other side, but it's only greener because it is fertilized by your mauled and consumed corpse. <laughs> Matt, that is such a stupid idea, and let me tell you why. <laughs> I would rather fight zombies all day long than fight the the, the enemy within. You get <laughs> that's because the enemy within you is much darker than the enemy within me, Jason. It just means that I'll win. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like all the movies you've ever seen about people hunkering down in zombie films, uh, and including not necessarily zombie films. You look at The Mist or other, you know, Stephen King's The Mist, other stories. Or The Thing, you know, John mm-hmm. Carpenter's The Thing. It's all about once you have a small group of humans that are trapped in a place with an external threat, they just turn on each other. So this is this is a reoccurring theme, and this isn't even what I was planning on talking about, but is this really the true threat of the zombie apocalypse? It's not really the zombies. It's the other people. That's exactly right. That's That's been my opinion of zombie movies forever, that really, when you watch it, the immediate threat is this external thing that you can't really control and you're running away from. But- the way that you react and the inhuman ways that the characters treat each other. That's the really scary part. That's, that's actually why I love The Mist. It takes them about five minutes in a grocery store to establish a cult and yeah. just go like full human sacrifice yeah. on everybody. And I got to tell you, I've seen, I, I made mention earlier that my favorite way to end a horror movie is with everybody dying. That's the most that messed up actually ending. actually the, the most tremendous. Do you know that they didn't want to, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to do what oh, was it, the ending for the book. And Stephen yeah. King had to personally fight for that. Isn't that crazy? It's, I'm glad that he did because it's yeah. so, like, as he said, it's so much better than the way he ended the story speaking of hunker down or stay on the move one of the uh most popular theories that i've seen proliferated across zombie lore and max brooks touches on this too and this is one of the things i disagree with him on is the concept of going north so this is the idea we're all going to go north winter's going to come and we're going to be fine right i think that is the stupidest idea and i'll tell you why first we just established that the zombies aren't necessarily the number one threat it'll be scarcity of resources and competition with other people so you're going to go north where the scarcest resources are. Also, you're going to go to the environment that helps preserve the dead. Where do you put a corpse, Jason? In a refrigerator. By going north, you're only helping prolong the zombie's existence. For me, the biggest flaw in the entire zombie universe is that insects don't eat them all, right? (laughs) That they aren't all totally just fall victim to predators and are gone within three months. I want to be in the most equatorial, hottest, 
bacteria, flesh-eating ridden area, lush with life and fish and vegetation that I can get to. I don't want to go to Alaska where the decay process is going to be slowed by the cold temperatures and I can't find anything to eat myself. Well, I'll tell you, I'm not sure if that's stupid or not, because it depends on the type of zombie that you've got. And again, this goes back to the idea of, is it just humans that are zombies or is it wild? I think it's just humans. I don't think that's true to the the zombie genre. I personally agree with that. I think that that's accurate. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of zombie sharks scares the crap out of me, but I I don't think that that's what we're talking about. If you were going to produce one Netflix series, Jason, now we're throwing back to an earlier episode. Is it zombie sharks or is it space Bigfoot? Why can't you come find them both? <laughs> zombie space Bigfoot shark. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. It's zombie sharks versus space Bigfoot. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like Kiss versus Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> For everybody that's about to write in, yes, I know it was Kiss versus the, the Phantom, but yeah, I thought that... Uh... We also established that Santa Claus is real already also. Oh, we so, did. Yeah. We did. Yes, that, that, that's a given. There's a lot of precedent. We have, we're like the Supreme Court, Jason. We, we're, we, we really build these episodes on precedent. <laughs> Except that we actually stick to it. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to your point about going north or south, there is actually a reason to go north. Because if the corpses freeze, as long as they stay frozen, and if you get up high enough, they'll they'll remain frozen. They can't really move. Like, but how are you going to find them? And you're going to go out and dig in the snow and and take out each one? Doesn't matter if you're if you can figure out a way to live on top of a mountain. And there are a lot of civilizations that have done this. If you can get above the snow line and figure out how to farm what there is or get the water the way that you need to, man, maybe that's the solution. Because if you know, it has been established in several zombie movies that they're dead. You know, their body temperature is exactly whatever the temperature is outside. If they're frozen solid, even if they're still alive, if they can't move, they're not really a threat. But they're frozen solid and eventually they will thaw and come back. I want to go to the place where they're going to be gone in six months. Well, and I only have to deal with it one time. If you're above the, the timber line on a high enough mountain, I mean... I guess now we're talking about global warming, which is an entirely different kind of zombie level threat. Well, I, th- this brings us to to a, to another Max Brooks point to think about here. Global warming might be drastically accelerated by the zombie apocalypse. Think about the fires that we're going to have, emissions from things just catching on fire and burning. We don't even have zombies and we're doing that right now. <laughs> so going north, stupid or, stupid or not stupid, Jason. So the zombie the zombies are here. Yeah. They're they're rushing out of the DMV. We are drinking beer in my garage, playing playing Archon, playing Archon. Uh, on the arcade. You're losing for the fourth <laughs> time I in a row because I'm on a do. I'm on a killer winning streak on Archon yeah, right you now. Are the zombies come. I'm going south. Are you coming with me? You know, I gotta say I think I would, but the reason for that is because I think we're closer to the area that would uh, meet your criteria than we are to the area that would meet my criteria. And I just want to be clear off the bat, Jason. I am not going to be your minion. <laughs> No, we have proven many times over that we are better as a team. <laughs> we are individual. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think there's one thing we're overlooking here, and it might be the most important aspect of the zombie apocalypse, and it's can we defeat them? And it all comes down to the individual versus the horde. Zombies on their own, not intimidating. Yeah. No. Right, unless they're super fast zombies, in well, which but, case they're a little scary. But. Yeah, but we're we're moving past that too because even super fast zombies, I, I I think a rational person with mental faculties could probably overcome them yeah, fairly easily right. if you keep your right. cool. It's the horde yes. that's the problem. Yeah, 
which was always more terrifying to me when they were slow, which is right. why I kind of prefer the slow zombie movie. Right, exactly. Right. So yeah. walk me through the scenario here, Jason. Could the nation state, let's just take the United States, for example, because we know Canada's probably screwed. Take the United <laughs> States, for example. And unfortunately, there's a, a little bit of uh, non-historical uh, fiction correlation to be drawn here from recent times. But do we have the ability to organize quick enough, fast enough, and efficiently enough to counter a zombie apocalypse before the horde becomes insurmountable? You know, 10, 15 years ago, I would have said yes. Now, I don't believe that that's actually the case. So- I Think we what, would just deny it for too long? I, I, it's, it's partially a denial. It's partially the fact that we have starved the institutions for so long that the capabilities- don't bring politics into the podcast, I, Jason. It's a, it's a statement of fact, man. I'm not like I'm not even taking a, and I'm not I'm talking government wide and I'm yeah. talking institution wide, like over. A, a but not the Australian government. <laughs> Does that exist? <laughs> we should look into this. We should look into this. Um, no, all of that said, I don't know that our institutions are strong enough at this point. Like in World War Two, we were able to uh, rally resources in a really, really fast manner. But it was a far less complex world then than it is now. We actually, as a nation, produced things in, internally in a way that we really don't now. In a globalized environment, we're as strong as the weakest link. And if some other country that supplies us with the necessary product for whatever it is that we need, you know, fell prey to the zombie apocalypse, well, then we just we just don't have those parts. And it's not like you can manufacture them overnight to thwart the oncoming horde. So what do you do with that? You run or you or you hunker down. Like the, the, from a, a systemic standpoint, I think globalization actually makes us more susceptible to the horde. This, this is also the, the zombie horde. This is also the really interesting piece that Max Brooks gets into. He makes the point that first capitalism is going to step in before anything else. So someone's going to show up with a with a vaccine, with a magic pill that you can take that's going to... Or a halberd. <laughs> or a halberd <laughs> that they're going to sell to everybody and, and give them a false sense of security and they're not going to take the problem seriously. So right. th that's going to be the first problem. The second problem is out of that will arise, uh, I think, uh, to quote Hamilton from our Electoral College episode, a, a populist demagogue in service to a foreign power, right? <laughs> right? Who, who will deny that there's anything going on, you know? N nothing to see here, no problems to worry about. So you have uh, the government on one side telling you everything that's okay, and uh, someone else on the other side making a ton of money selling you a magic pill. Yeah. And by the time you realize that you're in La La Land, it's too late. Yeah, right up to the point where somebody's eating your brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so look, I, I don't know if we if we can mobilize in time to actually counter it. And the, the other piece of this that's interesting, and I don't know if you and I have the, the expertise to really weigh in on this, but one of the other things that the Max Brooks lore gets into is this idea, do our contemporary modern military tactics, are they even suited to dealing with this? So when you apply modern military field tactics to a, to a zombie scenario and you kind of war game it out, we probably fail pretty spectacularly, kind of similar to Australia and those emus that we went over. It's going to be a lot like that. So I had a really good friend years ago uh, who ended up joining the, the military. He, he joined the, the 101st uh, Airborne Rangers. And he used to tell me about the fact that they did uh, training against foreign special forces groups. And he said when they would go up against, you know, say the, the, the British or the 
the, the Germans. It was always really difficult. And, you know, we generally had tactics that were as good or better than any of those forces. But he said the losses were basically equal in those. But he said the hardest that they went up against were like some of the groups from countries that were far less trained. Like there were some Middle Eastern allies that would come over and train with our special forces. And he said, they would just basically run through the woods screaming <laughs> and they would lose like two thirds of their people, but they would overrun our, our side yep. because we were using tactics and they weren't. Yep. <laughs> so to that point, I don't know, man. I, I, I think what you're saying is not stupid. So is the, is the overarching <laughs> message from this podcast, Jason, that we're all doomed? Well, yeah, I, I think that's kind of the overarching message of most of our podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> the end is nigh. <laughs> so get an aluminum baseball bat. And uh, and a halberd. And a halberd. Not an aluminum halberd. Solid iron, <laughs> listeners. Yes. Gas up, gas up something big that gets you south quick. With stabilizer. With stabilizer. And you're going to be fine. And get minions. Yeah, lots and <laughs> lots of minions. So Stupid Not Stupid Nation, if you want to sign up to our minion list, it's uh, <laughs> it's stupidnotstupid411 at gmail.com. Let us know your essential skills, what kind of, uh, I guess, uh, seeds and other raw materials that you bring to the table. Uh, and, and we'll throw that in a bucket, and then we'll dole out skills randomly to whoever joins us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, good, good luck, Nation, and hopefully the apocalypse doesn't come before you hear this episode. <laughs> <laughs>